Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management. I love during that intro music. Our guest today, Elizabeth Heron, was was rocking out to the music, right? So it makes me feel good when I see the guests enjoying uh, our new intro. So that's awesome. Hey, before we get started with the show today, I just wanted to mention the PMO Impact Summit is live now. It started September 14th and will run through the 26th. Registration is completely free for the event. So there are over 100 presenters, leaders from around the world who are uh, have created content and their information's out there. So visit PMOImpactSummit.com. My session that I recorded for that is live now. Uh, today will be the last day that's available unless you get the VIP experience. So please check that out. Laura Bernard has done a fantastic job bringing together a bunch of people uh, for that uh, conference. Also want to thank the organizers of the PMI Mid-South Professional Development Day event. I had my session yesterday on the Purpose Driven PMO, and they've done a fantastic job organizing that. Uh, their chapters are all down in the southeast and being impacted by the Hurricane Sally that just moved through. A couple of their speakers, I think, had to actually pull out because their homes were uprooted during the hurricane. So everybody did a great job. We had a great turnout for that event and just want to thank them for inviting me to participate. Of course, I want to thank our sponsor, the PMO Squad. They're home of the Purpose Driven PMO. Visit thepmosquad.com to learn more about the squad and how they can support your project management team. Lastly, a reminder for everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com to see all of our upcoming episodes, the great guest lineup that we have coming up uh, for the rest of this year and into next year, and to also check out all of the past episodes. So for today, I am super excited to have with us, joining us from the UK, Elizabeth Heron. Thank you, Elizabeth, for joining. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yes. Uh, if you can, please take a minute just to introduce yourself to our listeners. I'm sure they all know you, but in case some of them don't, uh, share a little bit about yourself. Okay. Oh, this is always awkward, isn't it? Having to introduce. <laughs> so people, if they've come across me before, it's probably been through my blog, which is A Girl's Guide to Project Management, which has been running for a long time now. And it shares sort of my story of being a working woman and the things that are important to me and how I've done things in project management and some of the tools, tips and templates that I've picked up along the way. So they might have come across me through there. And because I was writing a blog, I actually ended up writing a couple of books, six books now. So I'm an author and a trainer and I mentor project managers. So everything I do now is just to try and support people and share the message of project management, much like this show. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we had a former guest on the show last year, uh, Cornelia Homewood. She was on 
the episode we had with Elise Stevens. She was one of the 50 women uh, that Elise had featured. Mm. And Cornelia is actually here local in the Phoenix area. And she had talked about, as she became initiated into the project management space, how you, Elizabeth, were actually an inspiration for her. So I really? I reached out to, to Cornelia and asked her about that and, and actually invited her on to come say hello to you. But she, was, she wasn't able to make it today. But she sent over a message to me and she wanted to share with you that she's been following you since she was a graduate um, student and had to do research on project management. And she had Googled women in project management. And the first thing that had come up was your blog. And this was back in 2014. Mm-hmm. So over the years, uh, she's recommended your blog to lots of men and women. Uh, she loves your newsletter. And she said when she reads what you write, it's as if she's listening to a, advice from a trusted friend, right? And oh, wow. uh, so she really has found uh, all, all your work to be super beneficial. And I want you to know that you're making an impact for people out there that oftentimes we don't get to experience, right? We don't get to touch them firsthand, but know that you are. And, and even in the, the few conversations we've had, when you do talk, you do sound like a trusted friend, right? You, you just have this, this <laughs> it's great... It's the accent, Joe. You just it's this, just being British. <laughs> no, it's this great tone to your voice and your uh, your cadence that just comes across like somebody, hey, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say next. So, uh, Oh, that's kind of you to say. Thanks so I think so that's, much. that's true, though. I don't get... I do get... People do email me from time to time and I get comments on Facebook and things. But... It's often hard to know, are people listening? And I got caught out once because I did a blog post about, I can't even remember the topic now, but I did mention in there a a program that I've been watching on TV. And then I bumped into somebody and they said, oh, did you see the latest episode of that? You really love that show, don't you? Like, how do you know? How (laughs) how do you know what I watch? And I had totally forgotten that I'd mentioned it. And so people (laughs) people have caught me out in the past by calling me out on things that I've written. Um, and, And it feels... That's a nice way of making a connection, isn't it? Because yeah. so much of project management is all tools and templates and techniques and stuff. And we connect at a much more personal level. I suppose that's what I try to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you're doing a great job. And that, that just made me think, I think in a, maybe a few months back, I had mentioned the show America's Got Talent, which of course is mm-hmm. a spinoff from Britain's Got Talent. And this season, there's a contestant like they've never had on. And he's made it to okay. the finals. His name is Brandon Leak, and he's a spoken word artist. And they've never had one on before. And he'll, his uh, performance is about a three-minute long uh, poem or speech or just spoken word. Uh, so for all of the people listening and, and you want to hear something other than the standard singer or magician win a, a talent contest, check out Brandon Leak on America's Got Talent. He's got his own YouTube channel. Um, he is amazing. Uh, it's it's great uh, to see what he can do. And so if for those who want to connect with me on the next episode, check back in. We'll see if Brandon <laughs> Leak won. We can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'll check him out. We've got Britain's Got Talent on the TV over here at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it'd be crazy for us to, to not talk about COVID. And, and we were certainly talking about that a little bit before we got on air today. We as project managers are so used to, of course, working in with our teams in close quarters, right, and working together. How has COVID-19 really changed the way project managers are working these days? Well, I think it's, in my experience, it's been sector dependent because I know a lot of project managers who are incredibly busy because 
they've had to pick up the slack from colleagues being off sick or quarantining or self-isolating or projects, new projects have come up that we just need to suddenly respond to. So they've either been incredibly busy or they've been made redundant and now they're looking for work, much as other people in, in all kinds of different jobs. So I think the impact on the way that project managers are work is has perhaps been that. But in terms of the work we actually do, I haven't really noticed that much of a difference, to be honest, because I, I mean, I've worked with virtual teams about 13 years. I haven't been fully based at home all that time, but I have always done some work based at home. And I think that because of the nature of what project managers do, we can do a lot of it remotely. So I think we're doing the same work. We're just doing it doing using different tools. And there's going to be long-term implications as well for things that require teams to get together, like you said. So things like health and safety of teams on construction sites and stuff, we're going to have to think about probably for years to come, about how do we yeah. actually deliver these projects safely. And we've seen a big uptake in tools as well, I think, people using tools like like we're using today to connect across the oceans yeah. instead you're connecting with a person who lives two streets away who's also working from home right yeah i i was uh, chatting with some peers last night about uh, the challenges of project management in the covid world and we had talked about the power skills or people skills and the importance of those right and it's mm. getting highlighted now whereas in the past was you know well let me see your schedule well now the schedule is still important right then diminish in its importance but how do we get the impact or the in information to put into the schedule it's now more challenging you can't walk down to someone's desk to get that exactly that's the what i'm missing the most is the informal opportunities to influence and network and the things i used to do like i'd get into the office early so that i'd meet my director before she got sucked into 13 hours of meetings in a day or something silly or i'd sort of watch i'd sit in the reception and wait for somebody to arrive and then i'd catch them before they went into a meeting or you'd stand outside the lift the elevator you'd say and hope that someone would be coming up that you wanted to talk to the, the strange things i've done to try to catch important stakeholders just so you can get a minute of their time for an opinion or a decision or something. And you can't do that anymore. Now it's all, you know, schedule a Zoom meeting with my PA. And that is much, it's much harder to have those informal conversations because all the chat messages are, are being lost. So we do need different, better ways, to, more, more targeted personal ways to interact with stakeholders, I think. Yeah, so I, I guess that the biggest challenge, right, is how to how to work with remote teams of building relationships and interaction with people. How, how do we overcome those? I think it's got to be a personal tailored approach for each stakeholder, which is something I felt that we should be doing project communications for quite some time. And the situation we're in now just makes it even more relevant and important, I think, because too often I think project managers just fill in a communications plan and then, blitz out their communication to everybody without really breaking it down to the level of granularity that means each stakeholder gets the best possible communication for them because it's more work. I mean, it's it's a lot more work to tailor all the reports and to phone people individually instead of doing a group call. All that stuff is much more work. But I think I can talk from experience and say it has it gets results. Being a more personal targeted approach will get you better results than just doing generic communication and hoping that people will read your three-page report when really all that particular sponsor wants is a text message that says everything's fine. As we're 
on this show, when I talk with guests, it like, you know, spurs memories back to the tragic projects I used to work when I was in a <laughs> consulting firm. Early in my career, because, you know, again, a lot of our listeners are, are young in their career and they're learning from people like yourself and your experiences. We, com- we did those communication plans because there was a checklist that said, do your communication plan. Exactly. And it was just a tool, right? It, we, didn't, we didn't know how to use it, right? I mean, what's your experience with actually using the tools for what they can accomplish as opposed to just checking off a checklist item that, hey, use the communication plan? I think a lot of project management falls into that because that's how we were taught. That's how I was taught. 20 years ago when I did my first project management course, it was process-led. You right. do these things, you fill in these documents because you have to, because it helps you get better results. But actually it doesn't. It's just a document that you file on your computer and you never look at again. What gets results is the taking action. And that means the thinking of that goes into making the document is the important part, not the actual document itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're, if you're thinking through, who are these people? How am I going to work with them? What do I have to do? How do they think best? Does she like written information? Does she like verbal information? How do they learn? And having conversations with them. And then that shapes your whole interactions with them going forward. So it's it's the thought process that goes into the document, the tool, the communications plan or whatever, forces you to think about those questions that you might not have otherwise made the time to think about. But the actual piece of paper, I think, is pretty worthless <laughs> because it changes as well. You know, I've written documents and then next week they're not worth the paper they're written on because suddenly my sponsor's changed or something big has happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm uh, a lot of the speaking sessions I'm having these days on empowering people to deliver results and purpose-driven PMO are all about people over process. Definitely. And in our process. I don't know how it took us so long to get here. Oh, it's been, it's been painful, right? Um, and then the last show we had was Cindy Dionisio and, and Mike Griffiths, the two leads for the next edition of the Pinbox. Pinbox seven. yeah. Yeah. And they're the, again, for those who didn't catch that episode, please do, because it's going to change our, our industry, or at least the pro- PMI version of our industry. Uh, because the process groups are gone, right? It's now about the principles of being a project management or manager. Uh, and I think it's going to be a dramatic change. And it goes back to what you were saying, right? It's about the people. It's, it, it's it has the been process. about people for a long time, I think. APM over here in the UK, and I'm a fellow of APM, but I'm I'm not even a PMP at the time of this recording. Maybe that yep. will change to 2021 because the new format appeals to me far more than the current version of the Pimbot guide. Um, but the APM guide is very similar to the way that I think PMI is evolving their thinking in that it's very principle-led, it's it's theme, there's themes and topics mm-hmm. and ideas for the further reading. And it's more about being a rounded business professional because as soon as you start to move away from the processes, you can't codify what we need to do. What does soft skills look like? You know, you could do a five-day course on conflict management you can't put that into a textbook and expect people to read that along with the other 50,000 things that we're expected to do as project managers. So it needs to be more principle-led, I think, and with resources that we can go and dive into if we want more information about a particular topic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, I, as I shared with Cindy and Mike, I said, hey, it's, PMO Squad's been around for seven and a half years. It's great that you guys are finally catching up with what we've been doing for the past decade, right? <laughs> But really, the whole point of that discussion is really about people, right? And 
in this COVID world we're in, we're remote. And even before COVID, of course, there's remote teams, but it's it's just been accentuated now. What are some tips, right? How what, what can you share with the listeners that are struggling out there being remote right now? Right. Well, there's some practical things I suppose I can suggest. Getting comfortable on camera would be one. Yeah. And I, I'm still surprised to see people. In fact, I was mentoring someone the other day who said that she was working with a colleague who wouldn't switch her camera on and worse, wouldn't speak. And I, was, I couldn't understand that because you'll speak to someone on the phone how is it different to speak to someone through the medium of your computer? But I still think there are people out there who are technologically shy or who are not confident using the tools that we're using. So if if you feel like the virtual world is not for you, then then perhaps spending some time getting to know the technology and doing some practice runs with friendly colleagues would be good. And I can I, I can say that because it's happened to me. I used a webinar platform, which is okay, and I used it for a long time because I, I bought a license that meant I could use it and I didn't want to have to pay extra for Zoom because I was I already had a tool that was adequate. And I just I lost connection doing it and I couldn't work out the controls and I just didn't feel like it was natural. And I don't want this to turn into an advert for Zoom. But last <laughs> month I paid for Zoom <laughs> because and it has made such a difference to my life because I feel like I am in control of the technology and it is not me driving being driven by the tools. I can run my sessions the way I want to without having to worry about it. So if you're not comfortable with the, with the tech, that's an easy, easy thing to fix. And I also think switching off from at night is, is harder. When I commuted into London, I was on the train about an hour and my whole journey was about an hour and a half. And that was a lot of time to try to wind down after the day, finish up those emails I've forgotten to send <laughs> by doing it from the train, yeah. read a book or listen to a podcast or something like that. And I'd walk through the door and and I'd forgotten about work. But by the time I turn off my computer here and then walk back into the house, because I have a shed in the garden, it takes about 10 seconds. And it may even less, probably even less. And I don't switch off. There isn't any wind down commute time. So I think that would be another tip for working virtually. Is basically, both of those are about mental health, aren't they? And looking after yeah. yourself <laughs> instead of working with other people. But you've got to look after yourself first before you can engage properly with others, I think. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought of that. But, you know, it used to be when I would be out at a client site, I would text my wife when I was on the way home and family schedule and dinner and everything would revolve around my schedule to be able to be at home versus a client site. And now I'm in my home office and I just, you know, I don't text her anymore. And I just take five steps, turn her in the corner and say, hey, is dinner ready? Where is everybody? How come we're not eating? Uh, But yeah, it changes our lives, right? Everything about this is really changing our lives. Um, it's crazy. Yes. I, I, it's how something is, um, as big as not to diminish the size of the pandemic, but it's, it's, um, changed the sequence of events within our daily lives. Mm. And that changes yes. everything that isn't even directly tied to that. And I think the issues that people are having from what I see are often related to trust and being nervous and having to prove yourself. So if you're on the end of of a manager who likes to micromanage or or you are new in post, there's this sense of, I'm not doing enough, I'm not working enough, I'm not demonstrating enough. How do they know I'm working? How does she know that I'm not putting the washing on? And there's that kind of nervousness around being remote. And then from the manager's perspective, 
it's a case of if I can't see them, are they actually working? How do I know we've got the priorities right? Maybe I'll have a call with them every day. And, you know, who wants their boss to be ringing them every day? I mean, just let me get on with my job. So once you've got those trusted relationships in place, then suddenly wherever you work from, it becomes easier because you're not bothered by the fact that you haven't got anybody to report to and your manager is not chasing every five minutes to find out if you're doing something. So focusing on building that relationship with the people who matter around you and creating a sense of trust in the team. And as project managers and PMO leaders, we've got people in our teams. So we need to be setting the tone for that and creating a culture where it's okay to put the washing on if you need to, because you're in your home. As long as you get your work done, I judge you by results. So results orientated workplaces, I think, should hopefully become a more common phenomenon because it's just nicer. Yeah. I, again, I'm, you're, you're playing the music that I love to hear. It's uh, my talks are about people over process and results over audits. I mean, uh, perfect. Uh, this is the world that we're living in and we have to find a way uh, to be able to structure our lives to do that. And something else that I think we have in common that's it's important to both of us um, I co-founded an organization called VPMMA, the Veteran Project Manager yeah. Mentor Alliance, where we provide mentoring to veterans and military spouses as they get into civilian life. And I know mentoring is important to you as well. How can mentoring help during this cycle that we're in right now? What I've noticed is people are missing those water cooler chats that they had with their friends. I certainly do. The kind of conversations that you have, oh, come and come to my desk and read this email just before I click send. That kind of thing where you you just want an impartial but informed view about what it is that you're doing. And you might go out for a colleague with a colleague for lunch or something. And we don't do that anymore. And often you don't want to have to ring someone and interrupt their day with a small point like that or to discuss a challenge. And I'm often finding as well that people don't want to raise problems with their direct line management team perhaps because the team is too small or they don't want people to know or they don't uh, they don't think their manager has the answers because often project managers don't always work for people who are project managers um and so mentoring can really help because it gives you an informal but structured person to talk to who's been there and done that and had the experiences and can just say yeah that's normal that sounds fine yes i've read your document whatever and um, just to give you a bit of a sense check but also a bit of confidence that you're doing the right thing and I think often we know what we want to do but having somebody who can confirm that you're on the right path and that you're doing it right in inverted commas because Mm -hmm. right is so subjective in whichever environment you happen to be in that can be really helpful for people has that been your experience as well yeah it's the same for me is um you know, before the show, I was talking with Karen, the, the station owner producer here for our show. And I said, listen, I had my first leadership team meeting yesterday for the PMO squad. We brought on a, a couple of new leaders and how great it was to actually interact with people, right? And have a team to be able to work with again. It, it, it's remote, it's over Zoom, uh, but it felt great to work with people and just to bounce ideas off of each other. Mm. Um, and I think we are missing that. Today, I, I mentor and I have mentors because there's stuff that I just don't know and I'm mm-hmm. curious about. And the best way to get uh, guidance and advice on that is to ask somebody who's been there, right? Exactly. What was your experience like? It doesn't mean I have to do what they did, but it's certainly nice to bounce it off them and 
and then build a relationship with them where it no longer becomes a formal mentoring session, right? You're just having a chat and talking to them about things. Yes. And I think that's what I miss. I think that's what other people miss. And I've been doing this job for 20 years. I've had you know, pretty much every mistake you can think of, I've done it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I can put, help put people put things in perspective or point people to resources because I don't have all the answers. I'm not some kind of magical, all-seeing, all-knowing person. But I talk like you. I talk to a lot of um, experts in their field. As an author, I read a lot of books as well as write books. And that's connected me to a lot of different people. So I've seen lots of different perspectives. And if you can't find a mentor or can't afford to get a mentor, then I would say reading and podcasts are the two things that have changed the trajectory of my career because podcasts made a massive difference to me when I started my the, the last job I had um, before I started working for myself and books as well I mean book reviewing meant that I read hundreds of project management books and I got to see perspectives and interdisciplinary approaches and it broadened my horizons from what I was experiencing every day and allowed me to bring new tools and techniques to, to the table. Yeah, I've commented many times that the best education I've had in my career the past three years I've done this show, because every episode I have is essentially a mentoring session for me with somebody that brings their expertise that I get to be a part of. And I hope all of our listeners get that same feeling, right? I mean, talking about Harold Kersner and Elise Stevens and Stuart Easton and Elizabeth Heron, Colin Ellis and you know, the list goes on and on. And I got a front row seat for that. I mean, how awesome is that, right? <laughs> it has changed yes. my, my professional outlook, my personal outlook. Everything about me has been enhanced because of the ability to have these, I call them informal mentoring sessions with the leaders in our industry. And I'm learning all the time. So I spoke to Dr. Christine Unzen-Hitzenberger, which I hope I've said her name right, uh, recently, and she changed my opinion about diff dealing with difficult stakeholders. So there's, it's it's still possible to learn things every day. There's no point where you know everything about project management and how to do these workplace interactions. And of course, the workplace itself is evolving as well. And I know that you've said we're, we'll talk about trends, and I don't want to jump ahead. <laughs> but as we're evolving the way that we work, we have to learn new skills. Digital skills are going to, be, going to be massive for project managers. So it's another way to get more confident working in a virtual world is to take in a bit of an assessment. Where are you with your digital skills? Do you need to invest a bit more time there? Yeah, I love it. And another thing that you had mentioned earlier was um, you've an author and you've written several books. And I received a question on LinkedIn, yes, I think it was yesterday, from Elena Bozolinski, who wanted me to ask you a question. Okay. And she says, I'd like to know what updates Elizabeth would make in her book, Social Media for Project Managers for the New Decade Ahead. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did update it. So Social Media for Project Managers was published by PMI and did it come out in 2010? I think it might have done. And at the time, my goodness, it felt so cutting edge. I was so proud of myself. And then we had to update it a couple of years later to be with a new title, Collaboration Tools for Project Managers, because the technology was changing and we weren't having to basically bodge the solutions together because the tools now built in a lot of things like wikis and discussion threads that weren't there before. Uh, so that was great. So Collaboration Tools for Project Managers, again, a book I was really proud of when it came out. It's like, yes, I'm so cutting edge. This is amazing. <laughs> 
And now you look at it and you think, oh my goodness, did I write this? This is, <laughs> this is so out of date because the world is moving on so quickly. So to answer Elena's question, I say it would be a complete rewrite. I might get in touch with PMI and ask them if I can do it actually. And I'd be focusing on things that are affecting the way that we choose to use our tools and the future of the technology that we're about to use. So I think AI, robotic processing, what I'm really, really hoping for is that the tools can do a lot of the heavy lifting for PMO leaders and for project managers, automating a lot of the routine stuff and helping us understand things like reliability of estimates. Because wouldn't it be cool if you put in the estimates for your current project plan to, to create the schedule and then the software popped back and said, for the last five projects, Joe's estimates have been 20% inaccurate. Would you like to add contingency? <laughs> well, yes, please, I would. So, you know, there, there must be something we can do with big data and AI that would, would allow us to do that if it, it might already exist for all I know. Um, so I think there's that the technology has moved on massively. I think there'd be more about mobile because so much of the work we do now is is mobile. And I think I'd have a much bigger, more meaty section on data protection and security. In the UK, we had GDPR across Europe. We had the implications yeah. for GDPR, which has totally changed the landscape for data management and building in security by design and things like that, which is actually is quite a geeky subject, <laughs> I think, but I find it really interesting. So I'd love to dive more into that and how, as project managers, when we're doing requirements gathering and working out what we're actually delivering on projects, all the different considerations and experts that we have to bring in are slightly different now than, than they were probably when that book first came out. But the principles about working as a team and collaborating online and good manners when you are typing messages to each other and ground rules for virtual sharing and things, I think all of that probably still holds true. Well, I think it's a great idea that you reach out and see if they want you to write that book. And if they do, Give Elena credit for that, for uh, helping yes. spur the idea, right? <laughs> Maybe she wants to write a, a forward or something to the, the book. That'd She'd be, be awesome. very welcome. So let's talk about, you, you mentioned a little bit in that description about stakeholder engagement, and that's your most current book, right, is about that. So staying on the book theme here, right. tell us more about that book and uh, what it means to you to have written that. Well, I think it ties into what we were talking about before, the shift from process to people because stakeholder management has been a project management discipline for as long as I can remember. Well, actually not that long because it wasn't in the very first version of the pinboard guide that I had. So anyway, stakeholder management became a chapter in the pinboard guide, um, but it's always been something that we do. We have to work with people and we do this impact and impact analysis to work out how important they are and how much of an impact they're going to have on our projects. And we fill in a little four by two by two grid because project managers like that kind of thing. And then we just stick it in the drawer and don't look at it again. And engagement is the focus of the new book. So it's all about how do you harness people power? How do you engage people? And what does it actually mean? Because engagement's a bit of a buzzword, really, isn't it? Everybody says, oh, yeah, let's, let's engage our stakeholders. But what do I do to engage yeah. them? What does that mean? So yeah. What, exactly. So I've tried to pick apart what does engagement actually mean? And how do you move from this mentality of, we can manage other people's behavior because we filled in a project management, stakeholder management plan, which I think is a pretty arrogant approach to, to take that you, can, that you can foresee how people are going to react and behave and manage them, especially when they don't work for you, through to a partnership approach where you're trying to be more inclusive, you're trying to work in partnership with them at a more equal footing and giving them more of a say in how they want to engage with the project. 
So I found it really interesting to to write, actually. And I think, I hope people find it interesting to, <laughs> interesting to read <laughs> because it solves that problem of, I really like to be practical. And you'll see from my blog and from some of the things that you've probably picked up from me saying today is the way that we actually do the work is what interests me. I like the connecting it to strategy. I like understanding the why, but I like more than anything to make it practical for people. So you've, you've got ideas about what to do how does it how does it look because too much of it hmm, how can I how can I say that (laughs) too much of what I've read about project management in the past and it was worse 10 years ago than it is today is very much uh, how important it all is that we're project managers and how important and the, the jargon we use and we need to strip all that back and just get real with the fact that we're delivering work through other people the company's got a goal our job is to help people find a way to get there that's all it is. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the Great Pyramids were maybe the b- biggest project ever in the history of our planet, right? And I don't recall there being a pinbock around when they did that, right? I mean, it <laughs> no. was it was a matter of how do we get people to be able to do something? Um, and, and I think we've become so wrapped around the axle of trying to make our profession be important. And in order to be important, you have to have a, a guide that you live by. And the reality is when you're out there in the field working on a project, they don't care that there's a PMBOK, right? They don't care that there's a checklist that's, um, you show me the results. And, and I always yes. refer back to a sales department, right? The vice president of sales doesn't say, did you complete the checklist in the CRM system? They say, no, I never would say that. They always say, did you close the deal? And that's the mindset, right, we have to have in the yes. project management. Did we close the deal? Did we get the project done the way we need to? Exactly. So when I talk about engagement, I'm I'm hoping that we're shifting people's mindset, like you just said, to understand that the people we work with, the stakeholders, they have agency over their own actions. They have preferences, interests, needs, and you want to partner with them to deliver the change. For me, it's about understanding where they're coming from and what's important to them, and then understanding what action we need them to take. And then how do we influence in the nicest possible way, which is not in a slimy, spammy kind of way to try to get them to take the actions that we need to get the project done. So that's engagement in a nutshell, really. Understanding plus action plus influence gives you the engagement. And how can uh, our listeners find this book? Is it where, where can they go to purchase that? It's published by APM. So it's on, it's on the APM website now. Um, and it might be on Amazon. I actually haven't checked. <laughs> it only came out last week and I still haven't received my Ulster coffees. Otherwise, I'd be holding one up for, for the video. Um, so it's it's still it's still pretty new. Well, I, I, I didn't know it was that new, but I can't wait to get a copy myself. I want to get into that and read that. Uh, it makes me think of also uh, Dana Brownlee, a former guest on the show, had written a book managing up, right, uh, about how to manage our bosses and our stakeholders, right, our sponsors. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait to read yours and kind of compare and contrast with what Tina had put together. I think that'll be a fun comparison. Excellent. You've got your books. You've got, let me also just say, I subscribe to your newsletter. So I get the Girl's Guide to PM newsletter. Okay. And I think it's the only one that I get, right? Because really? somehow we sign up for things and you get these newsletters and it's like, when when did I sign up for that? I don't remember. And I end up unsubscribing. 
I, I don't you think I... You just haven't found the unsubscribe button on mine. No. I, it's I, there. It's at the bottom. It, it, it goes back to what Cornelia said. It's like I'm reading something from a friend, right? It's it's just good stuff to read. And I think everything that you do, um, as you mentioned with your books, uh, with the blog, uh, with all the work you're doing, is it's not trying to be on a pedestal, right? You're just sharing your experiences with everybody. And, I, and to me, that's very relatable. Uh, so I enjoy getting the newsletters to be able to say, hey, what is somebody else doing and experiencing? Because you know what? I, I've got those same experiences. And, and it's good to have misery loves company, right? It's, it's great to be able to commiserate <laughs> with somebody else when they have challenges with these stakeholders. And that's why your book's going to yes. be successful yeah. because everybody in our industry has to deal with stakeholders. Well, hopefully it will be. If you look at the cover, it's really it doesn't look that good. So do not judge the book by the cover. <laughs> it's very on brand for APM and fits in perfectly with the rest of the series that they've got. But it, it's, um, it probably won't be flying off the shelf based on that alone. But it's interesting what you say about the newsletter because I write stuff in there that I don't put on the blog because I feel like the newsletter is my inner circle of buddies. And I do. I write it as if I'm writing to people that I know because I, okay, I don't know 15,000 people personally, <laughs> but I know a lot of them. I know people and they email me back and and there's things that I can share in that kind of forum that are more sort of, that I don't really want to put on the internet. <laughs> and that sounds weird, doesn't it? Given that everything's on the internet forever and you can search the archive of past emails if you ever wanted to. But um, it, I think email is a much more in, intimate, friendly way to get in touch with people. Yeah, I, 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 I love it. Um, the other thing that we talked briefly about uh, mentoring, but there's projectmanagementrebels.com. What is, uh, what's that all about? That's group mentoring. That's a, a group coaching program, really. So the mentoring I do is either one-to-one, just, you know, you book me for an hour or six hours or whatever, or you can come and join Project Management Rebels, which is a much more cost-effective way of working in a small group. And we meet twice a month. So we have a teaching call, which will be me or somebody else sharing something, some kind of guide to a particular project management topic. And we've covered all kinds of things like gamification and, and um, dealing with stress and different types of project management specific topics. And we've had guest speakers come and share things about culture and all those videos are all in the website. And um, also we have office hours so people can just turn up and chat what problems have they got this month? What do they want to talk about? What great things have happened that they want to share? And then also we've got people can submit their questions and I'll do a little video response because and those are the things that we share. So within the group, it's it's kind of group collaborative coaching. And if people submit a question, then everybody gets to see the answer. But you're right. If one person's got that question, somebody else will have asked it or be in a similar situation. Or just take a light bulb moment that says, I've got a colleague struggling with that and I'll pass that resource along. So a lot of the people in, in the Rebels group are mid-career professionals, some senior career professionals who are looking for interesting ways to support their own teams or a community that they don't necessarily get within their own workplace. Because by the time you get to 10, 15 years experience, there's not that many people at your level because of the kind of career job that you've got. So I really, I really love working with the Rebels group. I think we, we meet and we talk and we share stories and people share their own experiences. And it's, 
a way of me hearing more about what's happening out there in the world as well. So I, I don't approach it from me being the fountain of all wisdom and I just have to you know, impart my brain to all these people. <laughs> it, it's very much a, a conversation. Well, I love, uh, I guess, the UK. You guys are just more creative than we are here in the States, right? Lindsay Scott's got the PMO Flash Mob. You've got Project Management Rebels. I mean, I, I love how you guys are engaging within the community. Right. And that, that's what I love is uh, in, in the States here, we just don't do a good job of that. Right. We have project management chapters, mm-hmm. but those chapters are too formal. Right. It's not an informal engagement amongst the peers within the community. So hats off to both you and Lindsay and, and the work that you're doing to engage in the community like that. Well, Rebels is virtual. So we've got members from Australia, New Zealand. Um, we have had people from South Africa, we've and, and quite a lot from the states. Whereas I know that Lindsay's Lindsay's gone virtual and does a lot of virtual events, but they also yeah. have their face to face meetups with the the PMO flash mobs. So everyone's pivoting now, aren't they? But we've yeah. we've always been an, an online community. Well, I love it. Hats off to you. And of course, as you mentioned, right, you can still do one on one mentoring with you, right? And it's yes. not just necessarily the the group. Uh, but I I kind of like the group, right, because you can get in there and. Uh, get input from a community, right? That's that spirit of, uh, out the school. That's why I'm the PMO squad, right? It's not Joe Puzz consulting. It's because the, the power of, uh, the group and the power community. Of the group. Absolutely. Wisdom of the crowd. Yeah. I love it. Um, so we're, you know, we're now in the approach in the end of 2020 and boy, I can't wait for it to be over and, and, <laughs> and hope that next year we'll actually get beyond the pandemic. Although, Maybe not, right? We'll we'll find out. What are some of the trends that you think we're going to see next year in the project space? Hmm. Well, get the crystal ball the out, of... right? You got to shine up the crystal ball. And... <laughs> <laughs> I would normally at the end of every year I do some kind of predictions going forward, but this year has been so weird that it feels like any predictions are a little bit likely to be wrong. But I do think flexibility is is on the cards, and it seems strange to say that as as a trend. But I think our environment is getting more complex, more uncertain, more political, probably with a small P, but in some places with a big P. And we need more tools to help us deliver projects in that kind of environment. So our stakeholders have shorter attention spans. They have competing demands on their time. We have to get hold of them in different ways because we're all virtual. The technological situation is is different and the, uh, the technology we're using is evolving faster than we can probably keep up. And there's just greater demands being put on project managers. The people I talk to are tend to be overworked and overstressed. <laughs> so when I teach, I try to make it as overwhelming as possible when we have lots of breaks and things because we need to have time to catch up with ourselves all the time. So I think being flexible, having a flexible attitude, but also being able to flex what tools we bring. And that I think is can be quite hard for people who don't have a lot of experience working in the job because you need to use a certain degree of professional judgment to be able to say, I don't need a whatever document for that because of this, or we're going to use that part of the methodology, but not that one. We're going to do half of it with Agile and you can do this this way and we'll engage with that Scrum team. But you guys, you have to follow this structure plan because of exactly what it is that we're delivering. And there needs to be a lot more hybrid options and understanding. And you know, for people who've worked and had lots of experience, I think we will slide into that if we give ourselves permission to do it. But for people who are project management graduates coming out of university with a 
bachelor's degree in project management, having spent three years being taught a particular approach, I, I worry that that community will struggle more when they hit the real world and they find out what the challenges are that we're really facing. I mean, that's a lot to unpack there. You cover, you've covered a lot of ground with different things that could come up. But I, I think the theme is maybe just the phase two of what we've encountered here within COVID, right? It's um, COVID has changed the way we work. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we have to become flexible with how we're going to do that. Um, examples like your book talking about how to engage your stakeholders differently, having different tools in your toolbox, whether it's agile or traditional or hybrid to be able to know when to use them. Yes. Um, so how do we, how do we move, how do we kind of advance and mature the uncertainty we're in now, right? Is That's almost the question I'm hearing at the center of all of this is it's, we're, we're experiencing it today. But 2020 is now, well, we better be good at it because you've been practicing it for the last nine months. So this yes. is the new normal. How do we, what's your advice on that, right? I'm, I'm getting a mentoring session right now. Hey, <laughs> uh, how, do you know, Elizabeth, with- how do we deal with this? How this uncertainty is, is going to stay. It's not, I thought it was going to go away. When do we get back to the old normal? It's about being brave and us doing things and then asking for permission later. So it's a massive mindset change. It was for me when I moved out of doing pure project management into a more program management, operational business change. I was working on programs where we didn't really have an end date. We didn't really know what we were doing and we were only planning three months ahead. But we knew that change was coming and we knew we had to be compliant with various different things and we just had to find a way to to get there. And we were basically just making it up as we went along. And that feels very uncomfortable for someone who then spent 15 years ticking off tasks on a Gantt chart because I like to know where I'm going and I like to know what I'm doing and who's doing what and when it's going to be completed. And you can't have that. If As soon as you make that shift in your mind to say, I'm the glue that holds everything together. I don't necessarily need to know all the details. I don't necessarily have to have that crystal ball that looks into the future. But my role as a project leader is to be the glue. And I help people understand their parts and I help make connections between the different teams and I empower everyone else to get their work done and then I trust and it all comes good in the end. I love that you use the word empower, right? That's that's uh, that's in the purpose-driven PMO framework, we, ha- we have seven gears that drive our engine and gear number three is empowering people to deliver results, right? And how do we trust them, give them authority and give them the tools to be successful? And I think in this world we live in today, that's even more important because I can't micromanage. I can't be at your house to micromanage you. So you have to be empowered. What we're finding, and and maybe this is different in the UK, I'd love to get your perspective on it, is we're finding a lot of people aren't prepared or weren't prepared to do this at home. And oh, absolutely. They may have been a good in-office project manager, but they've just become an adequate remote project manager. And they're struggling to find out how to get back to being a good PM or even a great PM. And that takes time, doesn't it? Because everything has shifted and we haven't shifted as quickly as our workplace has shifted, if that makes sense, in our heads. And I spent the first couple of weeks of lockdown here barely working at all. And I've got, you know, and I've worked from home with virtual teams for lots of years. I've got proper fast internet and I've got, two screens in my office. I feel like I've got a proper, 
you know, I have a proper office at home and I know people who don't have that and are trying to work off their kitchen counter while homeschooling their kids. So I was very lucky in the way that I had set things up and still I struggled and still I sat there and couldn't really focus on anything and do anything. And with the the world as it was at the time, and I, you know, I've, I've become more accustomed to the challenges and the, the struggle. And I think we come to we come to terms with things and we can live with anything. We're very adaptable as humans. But that initial shock was hard to come to terms with because I was thinking, well, why has it affected me so much? I can still work. I still have a job. I can still do everything I did before. Today is no different. And yet it was. So I think it's a lot of what's in your head. Yeah, and I, it helps or hinders. Another thing I, I've run across as well is people still have one foot in the office, right? They they think they're going back, therefore they're not trying to create the new normal at home. If, okay. if, if I don't make my home office a true office, that means I have to go back into the office. And, and they're stuck in between waiting for the, the organization to make this decision. It's okay to come back. Well, guess what? A lot of organizations I think are going to say, and, and I know I have a client who has made this decision, we are not going to pay the rent on the building we're in anymore. Mm. Everybody will be remote for the rest of time with this company. Again, that decision could change as well. But, but if that's I'm hard North, for extroverts, don't you think? Of course. But, I mean, I'm but, an introvert. I'm happy to talk to nobody or just do web calls all day, every day. <laughs> I, I sometimes don't leave the house for three or four days at a time. And I don't even notice, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I like it. But uh, if I was an extrovert and I've worked with people who, who want to have meetings all the time and who, who get their energy from other people and when you don't have any other people or they're just a tiny face on a screen, it's not the same. So I, I sympathize. It can be, it, can, it is tough for people. So let me uh, put you on the spot with something we hadn't discussed previously. Um, as an author, uh, you've written several books. People love them. They enjoy them. I'm in process of writing my first one, but I'm interested okay. to hear who you like to read. What, what are, what's a book or two that you would recommend to everybody other than your own? Uh, Project management books or just general? I, 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 general no, my favorite books are books about leadership, right? Um, so I don't, to me, leadership covers every industry and every profession. So I love those. It, what okay. what do you love? What what is what uh, you like to read? Oh well, at the moment I'm reading Michelle Obama's biography, which is or autobiography, yeah. um, which is really interesting, really really interesting. So that's quite insightful, and also has lots of leadership lessons in from her career. So that's quite good. But in terms of project management or leadership styley books, I've I like to read modern things that challenge me and one I read recently which was Jonathan Sapir and it was I hope I get the title right thriving on the edge of chaos and it was a lot it was about how do you basically give up having a schedule don't have a project plan anymore and instead just deliver what needs to be done and get your processes in place where you can have continuous delivery and forget about the dates because we spend so much time planning a project to come up with a schedule that is then wrong from the day after we've created the baseline, why would you bother? And I thought that was a really challenging way of talking about project scheduling. And I can see that his approach wouldn't work if you were building an Olympic stadium, but it might work for some of the smaller internal projects that companies are doing where we, where we focus on 
the the end date and the process so much instead of just empowering people to get on and do the work. So I think I like books where I end up coming away thinking, wow, that's a really interesting take on it. And I tend to prefer those than the ones which are just more more, more of the same old stuff. And I'm looking around my office thinking, what have I got on my desk? I've got two very interesting books on my desk at the moment. Colin Ellis's Culture Fix, yeah. uh, complete with my notes inside about how to create a brilliant workplace culture. So that's really interesting. And not just for project teams, but for all people in management roles. And then Ruth Pierce, Be a Project Motivator. So I've read that recently too. And that's, again, about the people. How do you get people to work together and want to deliver your project? Because, you know, they don't work for us. So we need extra tools and extra techniques and extra fun that we can bring to make people want to be part of our gang. What's great to see is that you pulled off two books that you have on your desk from guests that we've had on our show. Yes. And, and Ruth is one of my <laughs> all-time favorite people in the world, Who I and I've met her just, I guess, fairly recently within the past couple of years. I just love Ruth Pierce. I think she's an amazing person, and that book is a great book. With Colin, I actually uh, prefer his uh, The Project book. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got that too. Yeah, which is a great book. And I know you work with Colin uh, on some other stuff as well. Do you, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, what you guys are doing together. Yeah, sure. Um, we're faculty members of a group called the, the PM Circle. And that is a online community for project, program, portfolio, product, related professions along with some other people as well and um, that community is an online community where we have teaching and mentoring calls and the faculty members are available to community community members to ask and answer questions and it's it's just I don't know how to describe it really it's just a really fun nice place to be with some down-to-earth people and our new platform that we're using is just I want to call it Facebook for project managers. It's just (laughs) full of interesting articles and resources and tools and templates and things that people can use just to make their life a little bit more easy and to stay connected because it's all about having those connections, isn't it? Finding your place in the world. And you said earlier that um, project management chapters could be a little bit too formal for some people. And the PM Circle was trying very very hard to be the opposite of that to be inclusive and welcoming and not stuffy and formal and and I know PMI chapters are trying to branch out and be more diverse as well but we wanted something that was global and inclusive and connected and it didn't matter where you lived you could still take part and I won't ask you to get into the details of the transition but for people who are hearing that and they're thinking man I haven't heard of the PM circle before this is uh, the evolution of the PM tribe, right? They, That's right. They may be yes. more familiar with that. Yes, you might have come across the the same team um, broadly. We we are launching on a new platform, which is so much nicer and much easier to use. And we're being joined by a couple of extra people as well. So we will be opening doors for that in just a few weeks. Well, I'm excited to to see that as well. Lots of good things coming uh, recently coming out from you and more things on the horizon. That's great to uh, hear all of this stuff and great to share time with you, Elizabeth. We've had an opportunity to talk in the past. Hopefully we'll continue to have more discussions in the future. 
and great to be able to share you with my audience today. So thank you so much for being on and staying up in your office later than normal, probably for you. I apologize to have you be on uh, so late in the day. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, Before we head out and and say goodbye, I wanted to give you a, a last opportunity to share with the listeners what is a good way for them to be in touch with you or how can they uh, interact with you? Uh, you know, again, all the different things you have coming up. Well, you can find me at girlsguidepm.com. That's the blog. And we also have a Facebook community called Project Management Cafe. So you can come along and join us in the Project Management Cafe group. And of course, um, give it a week or so, come to the pmcircle.com or projectmanagementrebels.com and you can find me there as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners. Without listeners, we don't have a show. Please uh, go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com. Check out the great content we have there with all of the amazing guests that we've had on the show. Um, And of course, all the upcoming guests. And speaking of upcoming shows, our next show, we have our first guest coming from India. And since we do these shows live, Uh, We can't ask Priya Patra to be on at 11.30 p.m. at night. So we're going to be doing 8 p.m. at night here in Arizona uh, to get Priya at, I think it'll be 8.30 a.m. her time. Uh, So look for that. After Priya, we've got uh, Peter Taylor, who I believe is also in the p.m. circle. He'll be joining us. Ben Aston from Canada. Jason Westland, the founder of ProjectManager.com. Cornelius Fickner, who's the host of Project Management Podcast, Karen Bondale from Canada, and super excited. Our first show next year is going to be our first guest from Africa. We're going to have Billy Mwape on live. He'll be joining us from Zambia. So super excited for all of the great shows we have coming up. Also a reminder that we do record these shows, so you can subscribe to Project Management Office Hours podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever you're favorite podcast platform is. And also visit our sponsors, the PMO Squad. Go to www.thepmosquad.com to learn about the purpose-driven PMO and all of their project management services. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.